Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Today our focus is on rural Utah and the legislature. What issues are especially important to residents outside of the Wasatch Front? What legislation is being proposed? Our guests include Senator Chris Wilson from Logan, Senator Evan Vickers from Cedar City, Representative Christine Watkins from Price, Representative Kira Berkland from Morgan, and Senator Ronald Winterton from Roosevelt. We'd love to hear from you. What is the most important issue where you live? Uh, you can email us your question or comment to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. And we'll get those uh, questions and comments to our legislators. Uh, just a note at the beginning here, all of our guests, all of the legislators on today's program are Republicans. We recognize this fact, but uh, i just note that rural Utah is represented by Republicans. Uh, Democrats represent uh, areas uh, concentrated on, on the Wasatch Front. Uh, so with that, uh, we uh, turn next to my conversation with Senator Chris Wilson, Republican from Logan, recorded yesterday. We're doing a focus on um, legislation, uh, priorities that are of special interest to uh, folks in rural Utah. Of course, you uh, represent uh, the cash and rich counties, I believe, right? Yes, that's correct. Yep, District 25, which is uh, most of Cache County, uh, the northern part of Cache County, and then all of Rich County. Yeah, so definitely some rural areas. Um, so before we get into that specifically, uh, what are the top priorities in general that, uh, that you're focusing on? Well, I appreciate that, Tom. Again, thanks for having me on your show. This is a great opportunity and really an honor for me to be on your show. I appreciate the, uh, the, uh, you asking me. Um, it, it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the first couple weeks, there are two or three weeks, I've been working very strongly, uh, very, uh, uh, on, on, I was the IGG, uh, co-chair, and so we've been working on budget and appropriations, and I was able to uh, work on a couple buildings in the uh, Logan area, one for Utah State University, one at Bridgeland Technical College, and then one a public safety building in, uh, in Brigham City. So we've been spending a lot of time uh, on, on appropriations for the first few weeks. So kind of a lot of my time uh, being the uh, co-chair of that committee. I've been spending a lot of time there. Um, but, you know, just trying to get some buildings and uh, working with IGG. Uh, we're over the UDOT budget also, so I've been working closely with UDOT. And, um, you know, one thing that's going to be on my radar going forward, being on IGG and being over uh, Utah Department of Transportation, we're going to look at, you know, some infrastructure uh, that we need with the growth that we're going to be experiencing with roads and um, um, other other things that uh, I think is long overdue for both cash and rich. So, uh, I'm going to be looking, working closely with UDOT, and we're looking at a couple other projects, and we've been talking with them, and they're going to do some environmental studies and some engineering studies on a couple projects. So that's kind of been, so far, uh, what, what I've been working on. Okay, great. By the way, follow-up, uh, what what building or buildings are you looking at, specifically USU? Uh, there, there's a language building at Utah State University that uh, we've got very, very high on our – it was a building that was funded last year and then pulled. Uh, when they pulled all the funding in July, and we were able to put that way back up uh, high uh, on on uh, on the chairs list uh, coming out of IGG. Number one on our list was the Bridgeland Health and Human Services, but uh, Bridgeland Technical College in Logan, uh, building that's been you know really needed for many many years, and especially now with the pandemic, um, we definitely need need to get that building, and that's number one on our list. And then the public safety building was going to ha- uh, house uh, the Highway Patrol there in Brigham City. So those are the three of the, the items that we're going to be high, and we're 
very, you know, feeling pretty good that we should be able to get those uh, refunded. Okay. Um, I want to get an, an email, put out the word to, to listeners. We're going to be talking to some legislators and know what, what uh, they want to have uh, uh, legislators focus on uh, in terms of rural Utah. And I got this from Gene. Uh, let's see. Uh, Gene says, question for rural legislators. With climate change disrupting so many aspects of life, current deep freeze in Texas, wildfires, floods, etc., it's clear that we need to wean our country off fossil fuels. What? And then, so a couple of questions uh, that she has: What plans do uh, rural legislators have for diversifying the economy of rural Utah beyond uh, tourism? Uh, so, Senator Wilson, any thoughts on that? Um, well, not, not. It's kind of interesting. I, I do have rural. It's funny, as I mentioned. A lot of people say I'm, I'm urban also with Logan and a little bit of both, both urban and rural in Cache Valley. And, of course, we have a, a real air quality issue in Cache Valley because of the uh, geographic build of, of how Cache Valley is with the, uh, you know, bowl-type system. We have a lot of in, inversions and issues with, uh, uh, with air quality. And one thing that I, 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 uh, I guess I kind of walked uh, the talk, if you will, a number of years ago that uh, I was able and I installed, 435 solar panels on top of my business. I, I own a, a car dealership in Logan, a Wilson Motor Company. We were able to put 435 solar panels. Uh, so during sunny days, we are basically self-sufficient and generate with renewable power our, our own energy. So, you know, it's one thing that, that uh, I've done uh, on my own to try and knowing the electrification is coming on vehicles, uh, I just like the idea that we're going to be able to um, – charge those electrified vehicles using renewable energy from the solar panels on top of the dealership. So that's one thing that I've done. Uh, I'm planning on joining the Clean Air Caucus. Uh, this is my first session, so I'm a freshman senator, but talked with many members of the, um, of the Clean Air Caucus, and I'll be joining them here after this session, see what we can do in working on trying to help air quality, you know, not only in rural, but really urban and all areas throughout the, uh, uh, the state. Well, as an auto dealer, and I think you're are you are you still president of the uh, new new dealers uh, association of Utah? You know what? I'm I'm st- I'm still on the board, but I uh, I passed president. I've, yeah. I've been off for a little over over a year when I decided to uh, uh, run for office. So uh, still still involved with the new car dealers of Utah, and and uh, you know we're we're doing our part. And uh, boy, there's a lot of you know the dealers are are very committed. Uh, to doing what we can, we got to get some infrastructure. You know, some charging stations and some things in rural Utah that we've been working closely with the governor and the gov- governor's office of economic development. So that's something we probably need to. Well, we will be working on um, is getting you know infrastructure for charging systems in rural Utah, and that that's going to be a high priority for us going forward. Mm. Also, with GoEd, we've been I've been working very closely with economic development. We, we need to uh, look at uh, expanding our broadband and get fiber optics. There's areas of cash in Rich County that still don't have, uh, you know, connections for fiber optics. I've been working closely with the GOED in trying to expand the broadband and fiber optics in cash and Rich County. Something else will help us going forward uh, with infrastructure. You've anticipated Gene's second question. I'll just read this. You've made a reference to this. What role might expansion of broadband internet play in providing better job options in rural Utah? So you've you've well, talked about a couple well, of things you're working yeah. on. Well, full, full disclosure, I did not know, but that is something yeah. that's on everybody's mind. I didn't yeah. know that was going to be the question, but it's you know it's, it's it's a great question and something that we do need to work on. There's another towns working on. We're working on a grant program 
uh, through GoEd, and also there's two projects that I've been working on with GoEd to try and get funded that will help both Cache and Rich County. So uh, those are going to be high on the, on my priority list, uh, along with uh, you know charging stations for rural and uh, in my area being both rural and uh, urban. I, I get to I guess I get to work on both sides of the aisle, if you will, as I represent both both. Um, in, in my district. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Uh, I want to follow up on electric vehicles, uh, you right there in the, in the middle of, you know, selling cars. Um, so, uh, you know, GM has set out a, a, a very ambitious goal, all, all electric or mostly electric vehicles uh, sold from them, offered from them by 2035. I don't know if other, other mm-hmm. uh, manufacturers are going to go in that direction. But it's kind of, uh, I don't know, how much is this chicken and egg, right? Uh, so... People are going to need to demand this, right? And uh, but I guess yeah. if, if it's offered and more easily and uh, uh, available to them and affordable, then uh, then people will go for it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of range anxiety with electrified vehicles. I, I, I believe the technology will catch up, um, but there's no question that you know 2035 is quite ambitious. There's there's European uh, manufacturers that 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 uh, have committed to even probably a more aggressive uh, schedule. Yeah, but but there's a lot of manufacturers. Most manufacturers are committed. Ford's been committed. They just came out with the Mach-E, uh, um, the new all-electric vehicle that's just beautiful. I've got one up there um, sitting on my uh, sitting on my showroom. So you know, there's a lot of electrified vehicles coming. Um, you know, from from a lot of different manufacturers. You're right. There's, I still think the technology will will hopefully catch up, and also cost. I mean, you know, we we, we we've got to make sure that the consumer will purchase. Um, you know, electrified vehicles and make sure that they work. Uh, Ford's come out with an all-electric, you know, pickup truck. There's other manufacturers. That will be a big if because, you know, we, we still sell more pickups than anything else. So, um, you know, there's, there's still some advancements that need to happen, but I think they're going to. But there's no question, you know, to try and say we're going to be completely out of combustible engines by 2035 is, is ambitious, but, but it's not to say it can't happen. But there obviously has to be technological advances uh, to make that happen. Plus, we've got to get uh, infrastructure in place that uh, people won't have range anxiety uh, to leave their homes. So. I know I have to let you go here pretty soon. Uh, just as just moving toward the final question, uh, what are your constituents? What's on their minds? What are, what are you hearing from folks? You, you know, I, I've sent out some surveys. I've got some great response. Sending out, uh, we sent out a newsletter. Uh, I think to over 5,000 people, and we're getting added every day. And most people are concerned about jobs, the economy, uh, making sure we, we keep our economy going and we can be able to pay our bills, fund, you know, very important is education, economic development. Um, you know, that, that's kind of been the, the number one um, concern or idea is the economy, uh, jobs, um, and, and keeping people employed, keeping our economy going. Uh, that's been, you know, that's what, majority that doesn't mean there's others I mean, obviously people are talking about education uh we were able to uh you know um fund uh, i think almost 400 million dollars for education that's already been budgeted and uh I, I think we really took care of education this year and so fortunately you know our economy is still going very very well i mean we're, we're there is no question that there's 49 other states that would love to have our economic conditions and where we're at right now with being able to fund education and other um, necessities because of our economy. So we need to keep our economy going and keep people employed, and and hopefully we'll get the vaccine out. I'm on the Health and Human Services Committee here on the Senate and co-chair or uh, vice chair. 
And we just we've been working very closely with the state of Utah on vaccines, uh, making sure that uh, you know by hopefully by the end of May that every every adult will uh, have that opportunity to have a vaccine. And I think that will really help our economy and and help things. Uh, open up and uh, um, hopefully people will be able to get back to somewhat of a uh, the normal life that they would enjoy. You hopeful we'll hit that goal? Uh, yeah, I am. I, I just uh, we, we've asked with the, the uh, governor's office and the state health department's going to ask for volunteers. I think you've already had about 2,500 people volunteer to help. So if, if we can get the volunteers and get people uh um, uh, I, I, I do. I, it's ambitious, but, but I, I have great uh, uh, faith in our, our state health department. I think Rich Saunders does a great job, and um, that boy, they're they're doing everything they can. And, and the Health and Human Services Committee will will stay at least in the next two or three weeks before we uh, adjourn our session. We'll, we'll stay on on, on on communicating with them, and, and hopefully uh, they'll stay on task. Which which I I, I have I faith that they can, and the local health departments will also. Uh, I've done a, a good job. People being a little bit patient, but I, I think we, as long as the vaccines are available, as long as these companies will live up to their commitments, um, I, I think we're we're looking pretty good. Well, we've been talking with uh, Senator Chris Wilson, uh, represents uh, Cash and uh, Rich uh, Counties in the legislature. Uh, Senator, thank you so much. You bet. Thank you, Tom, and, and you have a great day. Okay. Thank you. Okay. You too. Thank you. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Our thanks to Senator Wilson. Uh, we're focusing on rural Utah and the legislature, looking at issues especially important to residents outside the Wasatch Front today and looking at legislation being proposed to uh, help those folks. Um, and uh, coming up, we're going to be talking with uh, Representative Christine Watkins from Price, Representative Kara Berkland from Morgan, and Senator Ronald Winderton from Roosevelt. Following a break, up next is uh, Senator Evan Vickers, Republican from Cedar City. Uh, you heard uh, Gene's question there. We're going to pose that as well to uh, Senator Vickers. So we'd love to have your question as well for our legislators. Uh, what's top of your mind? What should be the top priority of the legislature? What would you have uh, these legislators focus on? Uh, you can get that to us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. More following this break. You're listening to Access Utah. Our focus today is on rural Utah and the legislature. And we'd love to get your question to pose to the legislators that we have on the program today. You can get your question or comment through to us at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Uh, coming up later in the program, we'll have uh, on with us uh, Representative Christine Watkins from Price, uh, Representative Kira Berkland from Morgan, and Senator Ronald Winterton from Roosevelt. Uh, right now, a conversation with uh, Senator Evan Vickers. We're talking uh, this part of the program with uh, Senator Evan Vickers. He's the uh, Senate Majority Leader and uh, represents uh, Senator uh, Beaver, Iron, and Washington counties, right? That's correct, yeah. Part of Washington. Part of Washington. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're, yeah. our focus is on rural Utah and, uh, and issues especially important to rural areas. So I guess most of your constituents would live in what we'd consider uh, rural areas. Uh, so what, uh, I guess before we get into that specifically, what's top of mind for you? What are the top priorities in general? Well, I've been involved in some pretty big issues this year. Um, one, probably that you've been hearing just in the last few days, uh, the emergency powers bill. So coming out of the pandemic, you know, with COVID, we recognized we needed to make some modifications to our emergency powers legislation. And 
I've been the lead sponsor on that, working with a lot of other legislators, but uh, Representative Val Peterson is the House sponsor and I'm the Senate sponsor. And so that's done some, we did some press releases on that today and, and actually is going to be in committee tomorrow. So that's been a big deal. Um, I've been working on some, actually some rural issues, but also some uh, dealing with uh, medical cannabis. That seems to be something I do every year. And then uh, we've got a, some some vaping issues that are that are just kind of trying to solve a problem. And then along with all the leadership things, and now we're starting into the budget process. So um, a lot on my plate. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it sounds like it. Uh, I want to uh, have you uh, maybe go a little more in depth on a couple of those issues. So emergency powers, uh, what I understand from the media is uh, the legislature feels like uh, that uh, maybe the, there's an imbalance between legislature and uh, the executive on emergency powers. Well, I don't, not a total imbalance, but we certainly needed to close some loopholes, and that law goes back to 1953. So it's I guess this is the first really good chance we've had to use it for quite a while, and so we we recognize some problems with it, and so we're working on those and trying to create a, a good process where we can have more legislators involved in the process, more public input, and still allow the the governor, the executive branch, the health department, and also local health departments and county commissions or county councils to work together in a a good cooperative way and in these kind of long and we're only dealing with long term emergency declarations. We're not dealing with the everyday, you know, the oil spill or the chemical spill or something like that or or wildland fires. Those we're just not dealing with that. We're only specifically looking at the legislation or the statutes dealing with long term emergency declarations. And uh medical marijuana, uh, what are you proposing this session? Oh, there's a, a few modifications. We've actually got a couple of bills. One that I'm not the sponsor on, but has just recently passed the Senate is Senate Bill 170, which is Senator Escamilla that I've been working with her as well as a bunch of other stakeholders on that. Uh, the key component there probably is allowing uh, physicians that aren't uh, qualified medical providers to recommend for up to 15 patients uh, without becoming a qualified medical provider. And the, the the goal there is to try to allow patients to stick closer to home, possibly even use their own physician and entice other physicians to entice more physicians to become qualified medical providers or QMPs. And then in my the one that I'm sponsoring with Representative Gibson, we're we're looking at authorizing a, another pharmacy license but specifically targeting uh, kind of the eastern rural side of the state. That doesn't have coverage right now. Most all the pharmacies that we've got lined up, the 14 that are out there, um, that are either open or will be shortly. They're all on the I-15 corridor from kind of north to south. Uh, I noticed uh, you're you're working with the uh, Representative Ward. Looks like uh, the title of the bill: Telehealth Mental Health Program. Yeah, that was a, a, a bill to, uh, you know, and we I've, I've been involved in two or three of those types of bills that work with just to expanding the use of telehealth. And and that's, you know, of COVID, you know, we've seen some things come about, you know, the value of, of telehealth and being able to provide those services. This is a kind of a small bill. We're just doing kind of a narrow little piece on it. But there's a number of different telehealth bills. I heard another one in committee this morning that, talking about mental health uh, providers. And so, yeah, there's there's a 
it seems like in the last few years we've had a number of different telehealth bills that help to try to expand services to to rural areas too. So. Yeah, so that'd be a good segue into maybe talking more about uh, issues of specific concern to rural areas. Uh, what what are the concerns maybe that constituents are bringing to you or that you've uh, noticed or, or are working on in that area? Two or three pieces. Uh, one on the infrastructure side, uh, rural Utah still continues to lag behind in uh, broadband, you know, and access to good quality Internet. Uh, we've done a good job of getting quality Internet to all the schools in the state, and all the hospitals have it, but a lot of the other the businesses and, and just individuals in areas. So, for example, I represent Beaver County, and, and they've been trying to get uh, widespread broadband into the county and just haven't been successful in getting any of the vendors. In fact, one of the county commissioners there said he's got six kids who lives in Beaver, and he can't have more than two of them doing homework on the Internet at the same time. So. Uh, we're looking to try to find ways and put money into, you know, uh, some grant programs and other loan programs to allow, you know, rural areas to get more broadband. The governor, I know, has the, a program that he's pushing to have a rural infrastructure loan program, similar to, like, some of the water uh, loan programs that we have. And uh, these are for, like, small communities that just can't raise the resources to, to do some of their just basic stuff with roads and other kind of infrastructure and have a kind of a revolving loan program there. That's one thing. Um, also looking at uh, on with how do we how do we balance uh, transient room tax? It's always you know transient room tax has been a, a big source of income for counties, but it, we do target most of it to go to uh, bringing people into the community because that's where it's generated is through tourism. And we do, we have allowed we have allowed some flexibility to do certain types of things, especially to to do some infrastructure in areas that would enhance the experience of those visiting the area. Uh, there's some efforts to try to uh, increase that, especially in areas like Moab, where they have national parks and maybe don't need quite as much money to entice people to come to the area, but they still have infrastructure needs. So. Trying to create a balance here. That's that's another bill that I'm working with Representative Carl Albrecht on. Uh, we put out the word to our listeners uh, to any questions they'd like to ask of the legislators, and uh, we got this from Gene. Uh, Gene uh, says, with climate change disrupting so many aspects of life, current decrease in Texas, wildfires, floods, etc., it's clear we need to wean our country off fossil fuels. Here's the question: What plans do rural legislators have for diversifying the economy of rural Utah beyond tourism? What do you think, Senator? So, so I'm seeing in my area a lot more uh, wind and solar projects, especially in Beaver and Iron County. We're seeing a lot of those those projects come into those areas because we are some of the prime targeted areas for those types of industries. Uh, most of that, in, it's interesting though, most of that energy is being uh, passed on to California right now. Uh, there is There are some projects. So, for example, um, Dixie Rural Electric, which is a co-op in Western Iron County and Washington County, uh, has their, they, they've, they've been pretty reliant on fossil fuels, but they are actually in, in increasing an element of solar and wind into their portfolio. And they're also, they've created a program where the members, um, which would be the individual households in those areas, can go through them and put rooftop solar on 
at a very reasonable price uh, to reduce costs. So those are some of the things that are going on, at least in my area that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene has a second question. You've already talked about broadband. This uh, this will relate it to uh, have you react to this. Uh, uh, she asks, what role might expansion of broadband internet play in providing better job options in rural Utah? Well, absolutely. There's a lot. We're, we're finding one thing we're finding from COVID is that people can live about anywhere and work. And so if we can entice people to come to rural Utah and live and have a high quality of life, um, but to do that, we've got to have that quality broadband to access to a good quality Internet. and just imperative. Uh, final question, uh, Senator. Uh, interested about the, uh, the the rollout of the vaccines here in Utah. I've heard a, a goal mm-hmm. mentioned of uh, at least the first dose uh, available to every Utah by the end of May. Yeah, I've heard that same. In fact, I just heard today that it looks like they're going to lower the age right now from 70 to 65, I believe, starting next week for vaccination. So that'll be rolling out. Um, you know, it's becoming, we're learning, you know, it's just like anything else. We think our health departments and those that have been administering the vaccines are really helping and learning. Uh, there's a federal contract with uh, Smith and Walmart that they're getting vaccine directly from the federal government. They'll be also vaccinating, you know, those at 70, and then once it goes to 65. Uh, and then I'm told that the other the health department has also indicated that once they get enough vaccine to exceed the capacities of the local health departments, then they'll roll that out to other pharmacies so they can start the vaccination process. So that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is a single-dose vaccine, should come online here pretty quick, and by once that rolls out, that'd be more probably more opportune to you know to go with to other pharmacies. But yeah, it, it certainly appears that everybody, every adult that wants a dose, can probably get one by the end of May. Well, I know, uh, Senator, we need to uh, let you go here, but appreciate you taking some time for us. So we'd talk to Senator Evan Vickers. He's the Senate Majority Leader and uh, represents Beaver Iron and part of uh, Washington County. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking uh, about rural Utah today. Uh, that, of course, includes most of Utah, uh, issues uh, important to, to areas off the Wasatch Front, and uh, talking to legislators uh, uh, and what legislation is being proposed for these areas and uh, what's top of mind. I'd love to hear from you as well, uh, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. What's top of mind for you? What should be the top priority uh, for legislators? Uh, we're, our thanks to Senators uh, Vickers and Wilson. And uh, coming up, we're going to be talking to uh, Senator Ronald Winterton, Republican from Roosevelt, and uh, some other legislators, and that'll follow this break. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah today. Today, as our focus is on rural Utah and the legislature, what issues are especially important to residents outside of the Wasatch Front, what legislation is being proposed, and uh, we'd love to hear from you, your question or comment for our legislators. You can get that to us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Um, and we uh, bring in... Um, uh, Senator Ronald Winterton, who is a Republican from uh, Roosevelt. Senator Winterton, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. Just had you on a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about oil and gas leases. Uh, thanks for coming back on with us. 
Um, and so remind us, what uh, what areas do you cover? I think it's a, a lot of northeastern Utah is what, what your district covers. It is. I, I cover five counties, so I start and do two-thirds of Summit County, Wasatch County, Duchesne County, Uinta County, and Daggett County. So the northeastern part of the state. All right. Well, uh, uh, what I've been asking is, uh, we'll get to rural issues, but uh, just a general question: what 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 are the top priorities uh, for you this legislative session? Um, you know, personally, I don't come in with an agenda. Uh, I I look at things that are happening in my district and how can I best help them. I attend a lot of local meetings, uh, whether it's city council, county council meetings and that, and and I assess some of the struggles that they're having, and then I go to work on trying to figure out what the state can do to help them. A lot of times they're, they're charged to diversify their economy, trying to figure out what pots of money can we generate revenue from. And I know in eastern Utah, they have a lot of public land out there. They have an uh, Indian reservation in the middle of it. And so when you, you take that and you get to tax between 11 to 18% of the total land mass in your county, that doesn't leave you very much to, uh, revenue to be able to meet the needs of, of everything that government supplies. And so we try to, to figure out how best to help them. And Summit County, they, they rely... Uh, pretty much on tourism and the ski industry and, and developing activities to, so they're a destination resort community. Uh, and that's how they support themselves. And they have a, a great community there. And then Wasatch County, you know, it was ranching in that. It was a, kind of a suitcase um, community to the Wasatch Front, people that work down in Utah County or in Salt Lake counties. Uh, now a lot of them in Summit County, and so their ranching was was their their livelihood. And now that the land's being developed, uh, what is it that's going to help sustain them in providing uh, the quality of life that people are wanting? And so I I come with no agenda. Just how can I best serve them? And and if they have struggles, then how can I help them on the state level? We are joined now by Representative Christine Watkins, a Republican from uh, Price. Uh, Representative Watkins, thanks for joining us in the conversation. Having me. Yeah, it's good, good to have you. Uh, so I just asked uh, Senator uh, Winterton, uh, I'll ask you as well, What uh, before we get to uh, specific rural issues, uh, what's what are your top priorities y- yourself for this session? Well, uh, I've got a bill uh, limit. Limit, no, stopping the use of hair follicle testing in DCFS uh, family court cases, and um, that'll be heard this afternoon. That's real important because uh, I didn't like it for a variety of reasons, and then I found out that it discriminates against people with dark, dark to black hair, which um, obviously is not something that we need to be doing now, and there are other tests that are far more reliable and don't uh, have have that kind of discrimination going on. Um, I also just passed a House resolution to go along with a bill with Representative Carrie Ann Lisenby, and it's a self-defense bill that uh, gives people a chance uh, to have a pretrial 
before they go to a trial uh, so so that they can uh, prove that or um, try and prove that what they did was in self-defense of either themselves, their family, or their property. And so that just passed out a committee. That was uh, an important one. And, of course, we have our state stone bill, the honeycomb calcite. Calcite's everywhere. We know that. But the honeycomb calcite is only in Duchesne County. And so it's very unique to us, very unique to Duchesne County. And um, Senator Winterton is doing that on the floor uh, of the Senate. Oh, very good. Very good. Uh, that, uh, that sounds good. Uh, so I want to uh, loop back. Let me start with Senator Winterton on this one. You've already mentioned a few issues. Uh, you say you, you go to the, I guess, the, what, the city and county councils and, uh, and uh, see what's uh, top of mind for them. Um, you mentioned a few issues. Are there other issues that are specific to rural Utah that you'd like to mention? Well, uh, let me just put one out there. Uh, I have a bill that's uh, talking about film incentives. And uh, I, I looked at this issue last year. Summit County had just lost one of their big uh, film productions. And uh, this particular film had dropped about $160 million into their economy over the previous three years. And uh, I asked them why they were leaving and found out that, you know, that the state was capped out in what they could offer any any production, and so there was not any money to be offered to coming productions. And so this bill, I'm trying to double the incentives, and this is post-performance, so the companies actually have to qualify. Um, they need to spend at least $500 million in the state to qualify, and then what we do is they show us their receipts. We go through audit, and then we give them Basically, it comes down to about a 20% back on spending that. And so for rural Utah, it turned out equated to be 14 to 1. For every dollar that they spent, we, the state received $14 in, in actual money or benefits. And, and as I looked at this, this is a, a bill that is statewide, but mostly in rural Utah. We've had productions like the uh, high school musical down in Salt Lake, and they did some filming in Weaver and out Twila counties. But the rest of it, you know, it's either Grand County, Kane County, uh, Summit, Wasatch. It's not, and so it's, it's a bill that I think is a high priority to help incentivize uh, rural Utah to generate some jobs there, uh, turn some money over. Uh, it, this comes in the form of, of motels and transportation and and cafes and vendors that cater to to these people on site and that and so there was a lot of money that has been lost out because we're losing our film industry to other other states that have these incentives so that that's one that you know was particular to Summit County but I found out that it's statewide and it's something that we can do as a state to help. Um, rejuvenize uh, rural Utah and the jobs, steady jobs there. Yeah. I have a minute release bill that has to do with the state too, but it's mainly impacting UNN, Duchesne County, Carbon County, Sevier County, San Pete County, San Juan County, uh, mineral extraction. Uh, and uh, we had an audit, a, a legislative audit of that back uh, in 2019. They reported to 
the legislature audit committee last spring and made some recommendations. And so the community impact board was making those policy changes. And we reviewed them in December with the uh, Senate president of the attorney general's office and our ledge research attorneys. And they recommended that I follow up and, and clarify what the mineral leasing act actually says it talks about planning government services and government facilities that's the three words so we went in and defined that so that a judge doesn't have to decide what our intent was we as lawmakers clarify that and so that's what that bill does and that helps the whole state any entity can come in and apply for a loan or a grant from the community impact board and again they they look at the applications if somebody meets the qualifications and, and passes the, all the questions that the board might throw at them, then uh, they usually come up with a low-interest loan or a grant to help them uh, provide the transportation, the water, the sewer lines, anything that the government services falls into. And so I define that, what is government services, so that we're not wondering anymore. All right. Uh, we are now joined also by Representative Kara Berkland uh, from Morgan, uh, and uh, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. We, we had some phone problems. We apologize for that. We've got you on now, so thank you for that. Yes, uh, and I'm going to have to hop off here really quick. I'm about to testify in the National Resource Committee. And oh, I, you are. Well, let's. I let's, apologize. Well, well, let's let's go to you then uh, quickly here. Uh, what are the uh, what are the top uh, issues that you're working on? Well, when it comes to our rural communities, um, what I, I'm about to go testify on is about some funding for state parks in the District 53. Um, that's something that I know we need to work on and improve. Also, there's House Bill 277. That bill was designed to help um, using block grants for federal federal funds for child care centers. And about 85% of that block grant was going to go along the Wasatch Front. And so I've been working hard to appropriate a good portion of that money to go to the child care facilities in our rural communities because we all, children everywhere, need good, adequate care, and these facilities, these small businesses along the Wasatch Back are constantly overlooked um, as they don't have the same resources as anything along the Wasatch Front. So that's, that's one that um, those are bills I'm working out uh, currently as well as I have a bill that will handle education. If there's a high school that has less than 1,000 students, they will, with this bill, it's uh, going to allow them to qualify for funding to, be, to have online courses. And those online courses will help with any core classes that that district may be struggling to provide to students, perhaps a math class, an English class, and they can use the SEOP system with no cost to the district. So that's, that's just a couple of the bills that I feel like are, are going to be a benefit to our rural communities. Excellent. Um, so um, you're moving some of those uh, forward. Uh, you said you're going to go testify on a, on a bill. What's that again? Yes, and it's, it's about um, Lost Creek. And I apologize. I am up. I will meet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Representative Kara Berkeley, I'm glad we got her on uh, in the middle of the phone problems and having to go testify. Uh, I know, Senator Winston, we have to let you go here fairly soon as well. Uh, Representative Watkins, what's your schedule like? Uh, in just a few minutes, we'll be starting our floor time, and um, we're doing Senate bills today, and I'm a 
House sponsor of a Senate bill, and I'm first up. So, <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> it's, uh, and it's going to be good. Okay, well, let me uh, let me. Address, we have a question from uh, one of our listeners, uh, Peg. Let me read this, and then uh, get a response first from Representative Watkins, and then Senator Winterton, and then uh, it sounds like we'll probably have to. Uh, let you both of you go here fairly soon. Uh, here's what Peg says. Rural Utahns get frustrated with one-size-fits-all legislation that originates in and seems to service only Wasatch Front. Uh, for example, the statewide edict on electronic billboards, should, be, should the bill pass, uh, eliminates the ability of individual counties and municipalities to create their own signage ordinances. In rural Utah, dark skies are a critical aspect of Republic lands and national monuments and parks. Glowing, pulsating billboards are not part of that uh, scenario. This is but one example. CAFO is another, eliminating local ordinance control. Would you please describe, one, where you stand on these types of legislation, two, how the rural counties can better compare, compete legislatively against the stacked decks of representation from Wasatch Front and back? Uh, so, Representative Watkins, what do you think about uh, Peg's comment? Well, um, I will tell you, we don't have very many, if any, glowing um, um, billboards in, in my part of this. The only, I'm trying to remember it, but I think Helper and Moab are my two dark sky communities, and um, and they they've done a good job with that with within their own communities. And so I, I have not studied the bill that she's talking about, so I can't speak directly to that bill. But I will say, as far as all the other stuff, uh, as rural legislators, <clears throat> excuse me, we uh, we work really stand together on issues for our uh, particular areas. And I will tell you, uh, she's correct in the fact that you you can't just say this is a rural bill because the southeastern part of the state where I live is very different from, say, the southwestern or the northern uh, rural areas. And so we have to learn to uh, cooperate, get along together, and uh, help um, our rural constituents in, in the very best way I can. And that sounds a little generic, but um, it, we, it is not, not one-size-fits-all. It, we're all very unique, and so we we come with our own issues, and uh, we ask for help from our rural um, legislators, and um, it, it works pretty good for us because uh, because of our new governor. Uh, rural Utah is getting a lot of attention, and everyone's feeling the love for rural Utah. <laughs> Okay, uh, Senator Winterton, I know you have to leave here quite soon. To, what's your comment on this, on Peg's uh, comments? Well, I've uh, reached out to the sponsor of the bill. I, he actually is a seatmate on the floor to me. I've reached out to my my uh, cities and some of the counties, and they weighed in, and they're opposed to it in its current form, and I've allowed or told the sponsor that, and he's worked on it. He's got a second substitute bill now. They're almost there. He told me not to get too excited that he is trying to, to come to an agreement with everybody. And and so right now, the way it since my position is, is that I'm against it because I have Park City that has a sign. I have Camas that has signs. And um, uh, I know that the sign companies need to, to you know, that's their business, but... Uh, We've got to give them a chance to make an off, uh, you know, a living also, 
And so I think it's a local issue. We shouldn't take that away from the the local city councils or county councils and that. And so I listen to them, and that's where my vote is right now, is that I'm opposed to it. Well, I think uh, I probably have to let both of you go here to get to your to get to the session. So, uh, Representative Christine Watkins, uh, thank you so much. Thank, appreciate it. Have a great day. Have a great day, and Senator Ronald Winterton, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, uh, and thanks for everyone who uh, joined us today. Uh, we were able to get uh, briefly uh, Representative Berkland on and uh, Representative or Senators Vickers and Wilson earlier in the program. Thanks to you for getting your questions on uh, to us as well. Uh, keep those comments and questions coming, and uh, we, of course, we'll be covering the legislature all the way through the session, um, at least weekly here on Access Utah, and of course UPR uh, News as well.